There are thousands of federally insured banks in this country, and only about 20 of them are owned by Black people. That absence has helped to fuel a huge racial wealth gap in this country, a gap where the net worth of a typical white family is more than 10 times the net worth of a typical Black family. And now, a group in Atlanta is trying to change that by launching a new digital bank aimed at serving communities of color. Last week, they started signing up customers. One of the founders of that bank is a guy who's long called attention to racial injustices in his music. Look at all these slave posing on your dollar. Atlanta-born rapper Killer Mike, one half of the critically acclaimed Run the Jewels. Should I call you Killer Mike? Mike? No, nah, just, just Michael. It's fine. Okay. My, my father is Mike and my daughter is Mikey, so I got stuck with Michael. All right, Michael. (laughs) Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Thursday, October 15th. Coming up on the show, an interview with Killer Mike on the importance of Black banks and why he's starting one. Courage. I learned it from my adoptive mom. Hold my hand. You hold my hand. Learn about adopting a teen from foster care at AdoptUSKids.org. You can't imagine the reward. Brought to you by AdoptUSKids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Killer Mike, or Michael as I'll call him, is a Grammy-winning artist, an activist, and a businessman. Can you tell us how you decided to go from being a rapper and an entertainer to running businesses? Well, I live in the mind of a 12-year-old where you can do anything. So when I was 12 years old, I rapped and sang and danced, and I put together go-karts, and my grandparents were very serious about saving money. So it's not out of the spectrum of possibilities because, you know, the four elements of hip-hop are, of course, b-boying, DJing rapping and graffiti. But I would add that in particular in the 90s, led by the example that came out of the 80s with Def Jam um, and other prominent labels like Rap A Lot and and Ruthless Records and Luke Skywalker Records, it came a business sense. And I would add a fifth thing became economy and commerce. We got a chance to see the power of the dollar, not only as entertainers who made money, like Black artists had always made money, we got a chance to understand the power of participation And not only being an artist, but being the production companies, being successful and moderately or greatly successful record labels. And that started to show me at a very young age how influential hip hop was. There was a world to be made in terms of money and of influence. So after I got into hip hop and I realized being mentored by people like Big Boy from Outkast, that hip hop didn't just make you famous and give you economic gain, it gave you an opportunity to participate in business. And once I had the ability to start doing business, I did. So about nine years ago, I bought a barbershop on the internet and my wife didn't talk to me for two weeks. She was so angry. (laughs) And for the last nine years, she's made me make business decisions versus emotional artist decisions. So instead of buying a Dodge Demon, I bought an apartment building. You know what I mean? There's things of that nature. 
So you've gone into real estate, restaurants. You have a couple Atlanta barbershops. Yes. And now you're starting a bank. What made you decide that banking was your next venture? So I've always banked black because it's what my grandparents taught me to do. I've always had one big bank account in terms of whatever big is when you're 12. You keep 800 bucks that your parents and your grandmother's made you save in one bank account. And then we'd have an auxiliary bank account. Usually with mine would be at a black bank and you'd have a couple hundred bucks that you could control or, you know, so as a child, I learned the importance of banking. But I've seen what banks do when they strengthen my community and I've seen what happens when they exit my community. So I grew up in a part of the west side of Atlanta called the Collier Heights Adamsville community. Now, when banks started to leave our community, what replaced them were check cashing places and predatory lending places. And what I saw was an undercurrent of robbing poor people, essentially. So if you're cashing a check for 100 bucks and you're a mom with two children, if someone's taking 20 points off a dollar for you, that means you get 80 bucks. And you're forced now to contend with taking care of you and two children with $20 less every $100 you take or 20 to 25 cents of every dollar taken. And that's just grossly unfair. It never gives you an opportunity to properly set up a bank account. It never gives you an opportunity to teach your children banking. It never gives you an opportunity to get out of the mud, per se, because you're constantly living this secular life of getting just enough to get by and being robbed. And so when a group of community leaders from Atlanta reached out to Michael, saying they wanted to start a digital bank, one that would serve communities of color as a way to close the wealth gap, Michael was in. They named the bank Greenwood, after the Greenwood District in Tulsa, Oklahoma. In the early 1900s, that neighborhood was among the wealthiest Black communities in the country. It was known as Black Wall Street. But in 1921, it was burned to the ground by a white mob. It was a community. It was a community of people that were helping to forge America going west. They had been freed and they had set up a town within a town themselves. And because of hate and animosity, bigotry and racism, it was destroyed. And we decided that the spirit of Greenwood should not be destroyed. The spirit of what Detroit was, of what Harlem was, of what Washington, D.C. and the DMV area was, what Inglewood was, what Houston's Fifth Ward and Third Ward were. Those areas were once black enclaves. Many of them still are of power, wealth, and the ability for working-class Blacks to accrue something and have themselves and their children move up into the middle class. Greenwood represents that spirit, and that spirit never dies. So what we're talking about is Black people having the ability to participate in capitalism in a way that they see fit that benefits them as an individual in their community, and is better for the greater community. You know, people in a wider community need to understand, not wider, wider community need to understand that when the Black community is doing better economically, the the entire system does better because capitalism needs products, goods, and services. We provide those. Capitalism needs customers. We are that. And it also needs some equity and ownership, and we deserve that. So Greenwood is a a nod and acknowledgement to the place that once was. It is a nod and acknowledgement to the spirit that is, and it is the first step and a step that our platform will grow into to help many of us rebuild the Greenwoods wherever we are. What kind of bank are you envisioning? Well, right now, we're a banking platform. What I'm envisioning is us becoming an actual bank one day. You start as an acorn, you plant, you get sunshine, grow, make sure some cow poo gets on it, and eventually you have an oak tree. (laughs) But that takes a while. 
we are the first stage in a new form of banking. And that form of banking is happening how my 13-year-old bank. She banks right from her cell phone, right in her hand. So my grandmother would march me into a traditional bank and the 40 bucks that I had made cutting grass that I thought I was going to get to spend all the six flags, she would make me put 20 bucks in a bank account. My daughter with Greenwood, she gets to do banking directly from her cell phone. So she's going to be handling money at a much more mature pace than I was. Who do you see your bank as serving? Who are your target customers? The Black and Latino working class in the immediate. I see us serving on a bigger scale everyone who wants home loans, auto loans, and especially creatives, because this company is in part created by creatives. So they understand in a city like Atlanta, creatives and, and creative starting businesses is more surefire than other places. But in terms of who can it help in the very immediate time the lights are on, it helps the worker class. Because if you're a member of a working class society here, you understand that there, there are 110 different ways to take a dollar out of your pocket, just for add-ons. You know, if you overdraft in a regular bank account, they charge you 25 to 37 bucks. If I didn't have the three bucks you overdrafted me for, where am I going to get the other 33 bucks to pay you back? So these type of things are evil almost in their nature, in the way that they keep poor people poor, and Greenwood is the alternative. Is this a problem facing poor Black communities, or is this a problem facing all poor communities? Well, it's facing all poor communities. The problem, though, is Blacks have never been allowed to include the wealth that other communities have. So other poor communities should be helped, can be helped, and are welcome to bank with Greenwood. The reason I specifically am messaging it to Black people is because the wealth disparity in America to Blacks is here. Because a lot of Americans have a 400-year head start. Even immigrant Americans who came here through Ellis Island because of redlining, the refusal to acknowledge the GI Bill for Black people, Jim Crow laws, it put them ahead of the foundational Blacks that had been here. So every step of the way, the ability for Blacks to true wealth has had obstacles. And finally, it seems that that doorway or a pathway to joining the American dream in terms of accruing wealth is there. And Greenwood is but one of the many ways you can do that. But you must, you must take control of your dollar in this country in order to take control of your destiny. So everyone, in a word, everyone is invited to be a part of Greenwood. We're speaking specifically to Blacks and Latinx when you hear us talk, because it's like triage in a hospital. They're in most desperate need of support right now. After the break, what that support looks like. Courage. I learned it from my adoptive mom. Hold my hand. You hold my hand. (laughs) Learn about adopting a team from foster care at AdoptUSKids.org. You can't imagine the reward. Brought to you by AdoptUSKids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Welcome back. What strategies does Greenwood have to reach Black communities and communities of color where other banks have failed? Well, first, they want to be there. I can't always say in a, in, a, in a world of mass exodus, you know, where grocery stores and banks are both exiting what they call depreciated or underappreciated places. Typically, black or brown people live in those places. Greenwood actually wants to be there. Greenwood wants to be your bank, you know. So I think that people understand from a trust factor we're coming in 
very serious. The other things they're doing is they're doing some things that are cool. It, I remember working at AutoZone, right? And there would be months where rent was due on Wednesday, but you didn't get paid to Friday. Those times I really could have used a banking institution that understood that and that would let me cash my check two days early. Greenwood does that. And to some people, it, you know, that doesn't sound like a big deal. But when you're working class, you know, as a 23-year-old man with two children, that extra $125 pay in terms of what I would have to pay if I was late with my rent determined if my daughter could go to nursery for a week. You know, and it, it matters. So that is a very big deal to me. And also, I think in over maybe 20, 30,000 places, they'll be able to use an ATM card for free. That's a big deal. Doesn't matter to me as much now when I have to pay an extra three, four, five bucks just to pull money out. But I remember a time in my life where that was a big deal. You needed that $5 in not to have an overdraft fee. One of the challenges community banks have faced is having a hard time getting enough deposits. Yes. Will you, Michael, be depositing your money in Greenwood? Absolutely, I'll be depositing some of my money in Greenwood because as my grandparents taught me, you don't ever put all your money in one place, right? My grandmother, when she died, had money in three banks, two black banks, one national bank, and we still find two grand up under a carpet. So, <laughs> so there's, there's, Greenwood absolutely will get an account from me, will get an account from my wife, and will get an account from all four of our children. If Greenwood is successful, what effect do you hope it will have? I'll tell you, I try to think locally, right? So I don't know if things save the world, but I do know that things can provide good examples for things that can be emulated over and over again. If Greenwood works for me on a very local level, I start to see check cashing places in Atlanta close because I know that people have an opportunity to keep their dollar. That's on a very base minimum. If Greenwood works as effectively as I think it does in the next few years, we will start to see car and home loans. A neighborhood that I grew up in that was 80% home ownership and 20% renter has now turned into 70% renter, only 30% home ownership. I'd like to see 60-40 in the next few years and get back to the 80-20 because home ownership is the first sign of wealth in this country. If your parents have something to leave you, um, most of the time a piece of land or a house, it gets you or puts you at an advantage to actually enter and remain in the middle class. You made this passionate speech after the killing of George Floyd. And one of the things you said was that people need to strategize, organize, and mobilize. Plot, plan, strategize, organize, and mobilize. So from a dollar's perspective, if I plot, plan, and strategize, if I'm plotting out what I'm going to do with my dollar, if I plan and if I strategize with others what to do with our dollar, that's concentrate our dollar and deposit into a place like Greenwood. Then we have to organize the power of our dollar. That organizing becomes lending dollars to other people or businesses that will service your community. And then you mobilize that dollar by helping to get car loans, home loans, business loans. And those places should replace the predatory businesses that are there. They should add additional competition to capitalism not only through the bank, but through small and medium businesses that will come out of that. And that, on the other side, should be more beneficial for the customer because where there's more competition, usually prices fall or become more adequate toward what the customer's like. And I think that we have the potential to do that. And if I didn't, I wouldn't be here. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Kate. I appreciate you.
That's all for today, Thursday, October 15th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. If you like our show, follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We come out every weekday afternoon. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.